All right, let's read some scripture this morning. We've been in the last 10 verses of Acts, and as we close out our segment on the Holy Spirit, I want to remind you what's coming. We're going to start doing this new thing. Look to your neighbor and say, new things are okay. So what I'm going to do as the pastor is I'm going to choose somebody that I've been in conversation with at the end of each of my series that I teach, and we're going to call it Perspective Sunday. And we're going to have a layperson. A layperson doesn't mean they're lame. A layperson is this church term that maybe a person's not on staff. Someone just like you to get up after I end a series and talk about a perspective that they had from the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, sometimes God reveals to one person in part and then shows the other person the other part. And to be able to have that uh, body ministry is what we want to do. So September 17th, uh, Ricky Perrin's going to come up here and she's going to talk about perspectives from the Holy Spirit as God's been teaching her and, and talking to her as we've been walking through this sermon series. So you don't want to miss this. Next Sunday is what? Friends Sunday? Yeah. You got to fill the house. Don't come alone. Yeah. Don't come alone. That's right. We already have, think about how God does this, Dee. We already have our first visitor from Friends Day. And it's not even Friends Day. And it was her second day here, or second Sunday here. Because she wanted to get a head start on all the other, all the other visitors. Dee, Dee wave at everybody. Say hello to the church. There you go. She's over there. Singing right in the middle of worship, and it, you know, we gotta we gotta work that thing out. But no, no pressure. But we gotta work that thing out. All right. Um, but that's uh, August 27th, and then September 3rd is Mission Sunday. Seven of the eight missionaries that we're bringing here, we do not currently support monthly. And so it's this pastor's goal that at the end of the service, after we take our missions pledges, that I can announce to them in front of you that we are now taking and onboarding seven of the ones that we don't support. Uh, in a new way. You think that's a good goal that we can do? All right. All right, reach to the wall of the neighbor next to you, and uh, we'll, we'll make it happen today. Let's read the 10 scriptures, and let's, let's get rolling today. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The demonstration in the upper room happened. The greatest sermon, one of the greatest sermons that was ever preached, Peter's sermon that led thousands of people to salvation. They wanted to know what the call of action was. Acts chapter 2 becomes the model for the church then. It's demonstration, explanation, and then go win someone for Jesus. The three phrases that we came up for our church is that we want to have passionate worship, we want to have a challenging word, and we want to give people an opportunity to respond to what God is saying. So if you're new to this environment, some church cultures call it altar calls. Some people call it response times. It is important that you tell your flesh that your flesh is not in charge. Amen. Nod your head at me if you hear me. Uh, there's many times, I remember when I was starting off in my journey of faith, that lifting up my hand was an incredible act of like getting rid of my pride. But the Bible says, well, we are to lift up holy hands, correct? Yeah. Correct? And so we, we follow scripture to the best of our ability and obedience because if he says it, we should be doing it, right? And so they were cut to the heart. So they, they had what was considered now the, the first parkway service, right? The parkway service of a demonstration of God's power, passionate worship. Uh, things begin to happen. Uh, tongues begin to happen. Interpretations of tongues begin to happen. Then there was this passionate, power-filled word, uh, this challenging word, 3,000 people. And then they say this question, what shall we do now? And we pick it up in verse number 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We've been going over 13 spiritual 
characteristics of a Holy Spirit-driven church. And I want to pause here as we wrap this series up. You and I in our own power can't do it. I don't know if you've ever been taught golf, but you go to the golf range and there'll be an instructor there. And the instructor will say, okay, cross your fingers, uh, put your right, right thumb over it, um, bend your knees. And by the time he gives you all the instructions and he tells you to swing, you swing and you miss the ball and you fall down, right? Has everyone ever did? That, if you've never done it, that's typically how your first golf lesson goes. Open your eyes. Don't top the ball. A lot of times in the, in, in the church, when we, when we start explaining things like the 13 characteristics found in Scripture about a Holy Spirit-driven church, everyone wants to go and try to do them. I want you to listen to me. You don't got to try to do them. It's in you already. You are enough. When the Holy Spirit gets deposited in you and the peace of God begins to guide and rule your heart. You tracking with me this morning? When things that are contrary to the Holy Spirit, like the unholy things in our life, if you allow that peace of God to rule your life, you don't have to, you don't have to try to attain. You don't have to try to be somebody. You are somebody in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit deposited in you is enough. And then he said, I don't want you just to be enough. I'm going to give you the power and the ability to be not just a conqueror, but more than the conqueror. That the, that the same DNA that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And so many of you, you're trying to shed off old things. You're trying to shed off old identities. You're trying to shed off old uh, memories or, or, or the, the buzzword of today is traumas that have happened to you or church hurts that have happened to you. But if you would just step a little higher the way that God sees you, you would already know that those things aren't even attached to your life. So the Holy Spirit's got to be the, the first leader of your life to where when you get his perspective, and you begin to walk by the Spirit. These are the signs that begin to happen. Uh, Peter says, what's the first thing we learn? We learn about repentance. Do you know that you cannot have true repentance in the American church if you're only believing in relative truth? There are things that Scripture say is sin. And then there are things that Scripture says is righteousness. And it's our hope that we don't just cast off the sin, but we pick up the righteousness. Many people come to church and they feel defeated because all they're ever asked to do is get rid of things. Well, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And by the time we get done with all the don'ts, we, there's, there's this Christianity that young people or young adults walk into and they're like, I don't even know if I can even attain that or measure up to that. And the truth is, is most of us, all of us can't. But Jesus... What an incredible thing that is. And so you have to understand repentance. Repentance has to be the hallmark of your life. That when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when the word of God tells you that what you're doing is wrong, you are to make a choice not to do it anymore. It's, it's really that simple. A lot of us want to call it compromise. You know the word compromise is not listed in the New Testament? A lot of you know the word issue? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got some issues. <laughs> Be careful you say that too. You have to take them out to lunch and buy them a steak dinner or something. But a lot of us, you know, we, we, we have, if we're not careful, us church leaders, we want to water down the gospel and we water it down thinking that we can train and, and, and attract a bigger crowd. And sometimes that's true. But the moment that you start watering down the gospel, you dilute the transforming power of the gospel. And so you have a whole bunch of good people that come to your church but can't overcome anything because they haven't been told to repent. Like, stop doing it. Stop doing that thing that, that the Lord says is adultery or fornication. 
Men, stop looking at that stuff on the computer. Women, stop gossiping. We, we, we live in, this, in, this, in this, this culture today in America where if the pastor or preacher starts making a ham sandwich in your kitchen, you get offended, and you go to the next church that, that you, they want to butter your burnt bread. But the first characteristic of a Holy Spirit-driven church and a Holy Spirit-driven life is I am not scared of when the Holy Spirit or the power of God or the anointing comes in the room and convicts me of my sin because I know it's the number one sign that He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Whom the Lord loves, He what? He disciplines. He chastens. So repentance is not a sign of God's anger at you. It's a sign of God's love at you. So you've got you to learn what it means to walk in repentance. What is the second thing it says to do? That you have to get baptized. And in the American church, we made this baptism. I was, I was watching a, a, a church, and I hesitate to even talk about other churches because I think that there's a lot of rocks that get thrown in the church, and that's not my heart. But this church made water baptism so fun that they had something like ours, and they had a water slide that came down and splashed into a pool. How many want to get baptized like that? Come on, somebody. I mean, it was like all the kids were taking laps in the pool. And... But you've got to be careful in, in making it accessible or changing the method to a culture that you don't really change the intent behind it. And so water baptism, I want you to well, just lean into me this morning. It is something that supernatural happens. It is symbolic, but it's also supernatural. It's that moment when you go down underneath the water as the old man. The old man is, is watching, walking by the flesh, but I'm going to be raised a new man. And I'm making it a, a public declaration of my faith. But something incredibly supernatural is supposed to happen and does happen when you get water baptized. And so we got to make sure that we, we understand the importance of, of water baptism in church culture. I, I, I want to I have a kind of a campus to where we have a water feature somewhere where we can water baptize anybody at any time. I don't know if we stick it outside where we make a plaza out there, but I want to be, because listen, it says repent and then be baptized. It doesn't say wait for three weeks on a Sunday so that you can, you know, invite you and then have a nice, you know, cupcakes afterwards. It says, no, your, your next step is to be water baptized because it's important that you publicly proclaim your faith and saying that old person is gone. And so we got to understand what it means to be water baptized again. Verse number 38 again, Peter says, Then repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to pause here, and I want you to know how proud I am of some of you that have wrestled with this challenge that this pastor has given you, that there's more. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, deposits you to the brim, and then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the way that I believe and I read and my experience has been, when you get filled, you will speak in other tongues. That's what I believe. Now, there are, there are other great men of God that don't believe that, but the Holy Spirit's still inside of them. And I want you to just pause here because the enemy at this time will cause lines of division to come. And he'll, he'll tell you that you're less just because your pastor's telling you that there's more. You're not less. The Holy Spirit in you is enough. But if I were to tell you that there is more... Any child of God that has a heart after him would say, Lord, if it's you, I want it. If it's truly you, I want it. If it's not you, I don't want it. And so I'm enticing you. I'm provoking you to get in your prayer closets and say, Lord, if, if what that pastor says is true and the way that I read my Bible is, is maybe a little bit off and I, I need to dig in and, and study scripture, 
then great. If you came back to me and you said, Pastor, if, if I don't believe that kind of thing, I will, I will tell you that I think you're missing out. I think you're missing out on some more. But that doesn't mean that you're less and you're welcome here. Why? Because the, one of the codes of our church, one of, the, one of the integral pieces of our church is that Jesus is going to be at the center of our, of our church. But it's important that you know that there's more. Just because this pastor is telling you more doesn't mean that you're less. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Because you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 39. For the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are afar off. And this baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the, the church of, of Acts chapter 2. It was for, what does it say? For you and your children and for all who are afar off. Everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse number 40. And with many other words, that's a great preacher term right there. Smile at me because I do that sometimes. Some of you taking notes, you can put that in your notes right now. And with many other words, he was just trying to say this. He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and the, there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. What an incredible... Would you like to be a part of that kind of growing church? Come on, somebody. Verse number 42, we, we keep going. The Bible says, and they devoted themselves. We learn that the word devotion means to strongly follow, to persist in, to be totally committed to. That word devotion, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, is an opposite of what the American church has become. Can you be fully devoted to the things of God and only come to church as a CEO, a Christmas Easter, Christmas Easter only Christian. Can you, can you be fully devoted when you're taking months or years off in your Christian walk and you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, but you're being led by the flesh? So when the Holy Spirit's in you, there is this drive to a level of devotion. I want you to listen to me, where even other believers will look at you as though you're radical. Some of you have been raised in those kinds of churches, haven't you? You mean you're going to go to church on Sunday night? You mean leadership night tonight's 5 o'clock and you're going to go back? You like how I plugged that in there right there? That was pretty good. <laughs> if you're looking for a place to serve and get a part of, tonight's the night, 5 o'clock, we're going to have a wonderful time. Uh, you, you need to know that you're going to become peculiar when you get devoted to Jesus. And you're not just going to get peculiar to the people out in the world. You're going to get peculiar to a lot of the people in the church. And so what does it mean to be devoted? To be devoted means that I strongly follow, I persist in, and I'm totally committed to. Persisting means that there's going to be resisting. How many times have you seen a new Christian come to the Lord only for all hell to break loose the two or three weeks after they gave their heart to Jesus? Why? Because the enemy does not want that seed to go deep. So you've got to be careful that you are not living in a sort of devoted state. But you have that third characteristic of being fully devoted. What do they devote themselves to in verse number 42? We, we learn that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And I, I asked the question when I did this, this sermon that Sunday. I said, where, where are all the godly leaders at? Where, where, are the, where are the people that are supposed to be leading the charge today to win their city and community for Jesus? A lot of leaders that should be leaders in the church, I want you to hear this, and it's coming from a, a place of kindness. We have gotten so frustrated with what the church has become 
that it's hard for a lot of us as leaders and servants of the house to even show up to church because of what we've seen church become. My prayer is that the Lord would have you fall in love with this church all over again. That, that some of you that have become weary or you've been, you've been scattered or you've been struggling or maybe you've had relational issues in the church and you've got hurts or you've got offenses and the Bible says those are going to come, correct? That you would learn how to fall in love with God's people all over again. But where are the leaders? Where are the leaders that are going to walk into maturity? And I, I want you to know it doesn't say just a lead pastor. It doesn't just say the worship pastor. It doesn't just say staff pastor. What does it say? It says... It says in the, in, in the apostles' teachings or the leaders of the church, the leaders, in, in the beginning of this passage, it says Peter and the other apostles. That, that the church was never supposed to ride just on the back of a person. I struggle with that. It keeps me up at night, and I have to constantly cast my care back on, on, on the Lord. There, there is never those nights that are so lonely as 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning when the enemy comes in and tries to whisper. And I've got to remind and be spirit-led and say, like, devil, shut up. This isn't my church. This is God's church. And, and what he's building is, is, going to, is going to stand and last. And then what I'm building is going to fall away. So I'm just going to stand out of the way and let God build. What a powerful thing that is. And we talked about where are the leaders of the church. And then we talked about number the fifth thing is that they were devoted to fellowship. That we're acquainted. They, they had close relationships with God and others. I want you to... To, to just track with me this morning as I try to tell you what's facing the church today in America. All of the rules relationally are changing in culture around us. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 5 and you're talking about as husbands lay down their lives cry, uh, as Christ did for the church, women submit yourself to the husband. Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. What we have is we have a culture, listen to me, that can't even agree on the fact that there are two genders. So the reason why the church is so fought today is because every biblical value that we stand for, the world doesn't stand for them. I want you to trap with me here. If you're not careful, you will get hunkered down in a good, righteous place, but you will begin to judge the world. They're just blind. Do you know the world's just doing what the world does? Those people that are just groping about in darkness? When you watch the TV and when you watch the news and you watch... Uh, the things that are happening in our schools, our heart shouldn't be, our initial reaction shouldn't be judgment. It should be, God, would you use me to help change their lives? The art of service, the art of, of the Holy Spirit-driven church is, I am not scared of the mission field that God's called me to. Because you know in the coming years, there's you know 20% of this current generation identifies as LGBTQI. I don't even know what all those mean. They keep, adding, they keep adding letters to it. And I, I don't say that as a funny thing. I just say this. I can't. You will never keep up with the, the destruction of sin in people's lives. The Bible uses this phrase that they'll be inventing ways to do wrong things. But it's not our job to get mad at the world. It's our job to lay down our life. Because one day in this church, someone that doesn't look like you is going to come in because they've got to the end of their rope. And just like you. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And so fellowship. What does the miracle of fellowship look like in a church when 
There are people next to you that you might not naturally get along with, but it's the spirit of God in you that opens the table of your home and your life for people because that's, that's what a Holy Spirit-driven church does. It'll look, listen, it allows people to come into your home and when they say nine or ten things of nonsense, you don't want to correct them right away, you just love on them. And then you build relationship. And then, you, then the Holy Spirit opens the door when they start talking about how the philosophy of their life or the doctrine or the way that they've lived their life is causing not peace and not joy. And then the Holy Spirit opens those doors and you're able to blind in. You're able to go, hey, listen, let me lightly suggest to you this passage of scripture where I can point you to. Because you will never find fullness and hope and peace and joy outside of the plan and will of God that God has for you. We're going to become a salt winning church. We're not just going to become a church that sends our monies overseas. We're going to have people in their despair. Because you remember it was you one time, right? You got a little quiet. Look to your neighbor and say, I didn't know you before Jesus, but I bet you it was pretty rough. It was probably pretty rough. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves, we learn, to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread is not going to mod pizza like I'm going to do after service today. Breaking of bread is speaking of communion. And we've got to be careful. There was this time where we did communion every Sunday and it became this religious exercise with no meaning. And so then we tried to switch it to once a month. And now, if we're not careful, the once a month thing becomes something that we do without meaning. And you've got to be careful that communion for you and what it represents still means what it's supposed to represent. And so if the only time, why don't you listen to me, the only time you ever take communion is, is oh. Check, check one. We'll go to this microphone. Yeah. I love when the enemy does that, so stop on the enemy. All right. So if the only time you're ever doing communion, and I believe the church should be doing the communion, but if the only time you're ever doing communion is a once a month thing, and no, Bible says that, that was, it was a part of their life. Verse uh, number seven, they devoted themselves to praying. We learned about praying morning, noon, and night. Pray in my own understanding and also pray in the spirit. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says. For the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. That we have a personal prayer language that the Lord wants to give us. And, and that's how we fight our battles. I'll never forget that moment when Jaden was in the 10th floor of the Oakland Hospital in, 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 at Kaiser. And the doctor said that he was not ever going to walk again. He was an invalid. Sign him up for a wheelchair, put him on a helmet. And I remember taking my little boy. And just at the point where I didn't have any words of my own understanding, I remember praying in that heavenly language. And it was like with moanings and groanings that I couldn't even understand. But I knew I was speaking to God. And I had this moment, this is, a, this is a God's honest true story. In that moment, I had this moment where I literally went out the window and I looked back and I saw my son and I as we were. And the Lord started doing this snapshot picture. You know, like every year I, I, my son would grow and I would lose more hair and get more gray. That's pretty cool. But my son went from my arms and he went to my lap and then he went from my lap and he went to my seat next to me. And I saw him as he was today. And the Lord said, you're going to make this an altar in his life where he's going to remember the miracle hand that's on his life. Because why? God does incredible stuff like that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, your, your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
people will see visions. And to have those accompanying signs is an incredible thing. So number, number seven, they devoted themselves to praying. Uh, number eight, there was wonders and miraculous signs. And I want to just pause here and say that the wonders and signs aren't something that we seek after. They seek us. If, if you're here for the show and not for him, you, you've got your priorities a little bit wrong. He is enough. He is our reward. His presence is what we seek. And so we believe that as we chase him, signs chase us. Do, do you believe this last year we've seen our share of miracles in this house? If you, if you believe that, give the Lord a big round of applause. The ninth thing is that there was supernatural generosity. Let's read it. Verse number 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. One of the signs that you're, listen, there's no such thing as a stingy Christian. No such thing as a stingy Christian. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be money that we're talking about. It could be your time. When someone calls you and it's 930 and you're ready for bed, but they need, they need a, a pick-me-up and an encouragement from a brother in Christ. Are you going to be a spiritually generous person with the resources and talents that God's given you? Supernatural generosity. I believe that every re amount of resource that's needed, I want you to just walk in with me. Every amount of resource that's needed to reach our community is already in the room. We don't need to pray for some rich person to win the lotto and give us five or eight million or twelve million dollars. I want you to know that God has put an army together at Parkway that right now can fulfill the mission that he has for us if only we are obedient and steward the things that God's given us in supernatural gener generosity. 10, the Bible says, 46, and day by day attending their temples together, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Day by day, do you think that's the picture of modern day church? That the church is supposed to be a gathering place where we can encourage each other, not once a week or once a month, but day by day. I want you to know this, Pastor, we've been dreaming. We've been dreaming about turning the front of our building into this plaza that has a water feature, that has a coffee shop, that has almost like you'd walk into Paris and see a cafe that rolls onto the street that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, people can come from all over, do homework, work business. There's Wi-Fi available that we can blow the lobby out to where we can have an indoor-outdoor thing so that Parkway can become a gathering place. That on Monday night, the whole center is busy. On Tuesday night, the whole center is busy. And on Wednesday night, there's youth. And on, on a random Saturday, there was young adults. How many young adults did you guys have? 29 young adults showed up at church on Saturday night. What an incredible thing that is. But that this, this place would be known as a day-by-day -day church. Not a once-in-a-while church, but a day-by-day -day church where it's not, it's not a, a pressure to come join. It's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. Yes. I watched on Saturday as Pastor St. John and Bobby and Misty ran the Rock the Block trailer. And we were out at um, All Sports Park, Harry David Plaza, or whatever that was. And I sat down and I watched 40 to 50 community members show up. And I watched our church hand out hot dogs and hand out waters. And 
We prayed for a little guy that was getting ready to have brain surgery in a couple days. We're able to meet needs. Tears were being shed. Smiles were being had. Because why? The goal is to be a day-by-day -day church. A church that doesn't wait for the community to come in, but we go out to the community. And we say, hey, we're here for you. We're the kingdom of God in action. We are Holy Spirit driven. And we don't have all the answers, but we know the person who does. Come on, somebody. Three more things. Eleventh, the 11th point is that they shared meals together. I think one of the saddest traits of the modern American church is that there are people underneath the sound of my voice that are lonely. Could you imagine being lonely in church? I counsel, I talk to people all day, every day. Pastor, I just need a friend. I need someone that will pull me up by the bootstraps and take me on a journey to where I can be whole and, and, and free so that I can free and make someone else whole. Do you, do you know that right now there's probably someone that's in despair next to you? And, and you were the intended answer to reach out to the person next to you? To ask them how they're doing? I don't think loneliness should be a, a, an attribute of the church, but, but day by day in fellowship, one with another, learning the art of not always doing what's comfortable, but doing what's uncomfortable to serve the human person that's right next to you. If I could challenge you with one thing today as an action point, is if you walk into church every Sunday and have not yet met a new person that's been coming, could I challenge you to get out of your comfort zone? New people, could I challenge you to be friendly because it's going to be take a lot for them to do so? Yeah. Smile at them and let them know that, that you're here for them too. To be able to live a life of gratitude when you share meals together, what an incredible thing. I think for my case, Bear, I think that I wish Scripture would have said and they went on hikes with each other. Because I've shared one too many meals since I've been here at Parkway. <laughs> I started sharing some hikes. Twelve. They had favor with people. And day by day, verse number 46, attending the temple together, breaking the bread in their homes, they received the, their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Many people think that the gospel as it's preached hard and correct and in truth, actually alienates you from the mission field. I want to just tell you really quickly, nothing could be further from the truth. The people that are groping about in darkness, listen to me, they know. They know exactly where they're at. Some people are in the season of having pleasure, as sin is fun for a season. But eternity, the Bible says, is placed in the hearts of every man Everybody's been given a measure of faith. And deep down they know that their heart's not right with him and they're on a search. One of the most incredible things that we get to do, and I believe it's part of the greater things that we get to do that Jesus spoke to us, is we get to lead a lost world back to the cross of Jesus and put them in right relationship with him. Thirteen is this. As Brooke comes back to the keyboard. They were praising God and having favor with all people. You ready for this one? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know that growth is a sign of a Holy Spirit-driven church. 
But the kind of growth that I'm after is not a growth that just populates Parkway. We are after a growth that populates heaven. And in the end, I don't care what church they go to, what body they're a part of, it is our goal to populate heaven and not Parkway. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, all those other things, the natural needs that we have, the, the, prayer, the private prayer requests that we have, if we seek him first and his righteousness, all of those things will be added unto you. The, I want you to know what I felt this morning as we worshiped was God's approval in this house as we have wrestled with scripture for eight weeks on the Holy Spirit. You know what he did today? He opened up heaven. Because God, when he's in the mix, he doesn't withhold good gifts to his kids. He releases them in abundance. And the hope is that this place could be a place where heaven, it meets earth, where signs and wonders chase us, and where people are added to the kingdom daily. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? The Holy Spirit. There's one more or two more moments that are going to hit this auditorium if you'll lean in. I'll give you two analogies as the Holy Spirit's reminding me over the years of leading people to be close with Him. No one's going to go to the gym today if you haven't been to the gym in a long time and say, put all the weights on the bar and I'm going to start lifting. Right? That would be pretty foolish. But the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman and what He'll do if coming into his presence is what your desire is, you'll start to lift the bar first. And then you're going to get tired and you're going to go, well, that's all I can lean in today. And then what he's going to do, he's going to put a little bit more of his presence on you and you're able to spend a little bit more longer in his presence. It's like when you go to the ocean and you, you walk in and it's ankle deep and then it's knee deep and then it's waist deep and then it becomes chest deep. The Holy Spirit will encounter you to the point where you want to be encountered. I don't know about you, but I want a church that encounters the Holy Spirit to a place of overflowing. Where passionate worship hits this place and new people walk in and they have to go, why are these people so happy? What is going on here? There's such joy and freedom and peace. They actually smiled at me. They welcomed me. They told me that I was loved and I was appreciated and, and they, I'm not lonely anymore and they're pointing me to this person named Jesus because our praise and worship can do that it could it could some of us need to flex that muscle a little bit longer Lord I just want to lean in and I know it's been a long time since I've encountered your presence Lord my flesh needs to die and you need to live in me and then as you begin to do that the wave begins to come, and it's not just ankle deep, and it's not just knee deep, it becomes waist deep. And the Holy Spirit begins to infuse spirit-led direction all across the church. And the Bible says something interesting begins to happen. Sons and daughters begin to prophesy. The spiritual gifts begin to take form. Deliverance begins to happen. Healing of sicknesses and diseases and demonic oppression and possession begins to leave and also begins to be revealed. And God begins to, in his mighty hand, do many wondrous works. And then it's not our job to take credit for it. It's our job to go find a corner in the room. I said, Lord, thank you that you're moving amongst our midst. Thank you for what you're doing. And so you're here today. There's two calls 
that need to go out for response at the end of this service, and maybe you don't know Jesus, and your heart's far from him, but there's been something tugging at you from the moment that you walked into this room to say, I need to be fully devoted to the one who showed that he was fully devoted to me. Everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to confess him as Lord and Savior. Would you stretch up your hand so I can see it? I see your hand, young man. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand in the back, sir. Anybody else? There was three. I see your hand, ma'am. That's four. Say, Pastor, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Christians praying everywhere. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you. All in, fully devoted followers of Jesus. If it's been months or years, he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. If you say, Pastor, I want to know today, stretch up your hand just before I change the order of the service. Hallelujah. I want you to do me a favor. The yes team, if you can just look around. Those that raised your hand for salvation, I want you to raise them again one time. Would you raise them again one time? One up there, one up there, one right here. I want you to find these individuals before they leave service because we don't want you to walk alone. But church, would you pray this prayer after me right now? Would you say with them, would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize my need of you. I recognize that you've been fully devoted to me. And all you're asking in return is my devotion to you. I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in this heart that you are the answer. Heavenly Father, right now, make me the person that you want me to be. Deposit your Holy Spirit inside of me. Because I don't ever, ever want to be the same again. All of me, for all of you, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God. I do feel like there is a, a call, a clear call, that God is asking Parkway and giving them an invitation for more. I don't know when the last time you've been up front as a step and sign of faith. My wife is going to lead a worship song. For 20 years with young people, before they would head out that direction, I would ask them to come up this direction in unity as a body for us to get deposited in us what our world would need. If you're not comfortable with it, maybe this isn't for you, but I need those that call this church their church. I want us just to wait on him just for a few moments longer before we leave. But I want you not to do it in your chairs. Would you come find a place down front at what we call the altars? And I want us to take about three or four minutes before we close this service. And I want us to invite him to come and give us what it's going to
pray over our, our church as we leave. But I want us specifically to pray for Friends Day coming up next Sunday, that the people that we're going to invite and bring, that the Holy Spirit would cause every distraction or restriction to go, that He would go forth in power so that we, listen to me, can reach just one more. One more for Him. I'm not any more special than you. God doesn't love me any more special than you. Pastor Jason doesn't love me more than you. You're going to pray with me, right, church? Hey, I, um, during just these few moments that we had, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me just like he does to you, but I just get to share mine with you. And there were so many of us in this moment saying, God, yeah, I want more, and I know you have more, but what about this thing? What about this? This thing that you've been getting hung up on, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a struggle, whether it's a loved one that you're waiting to seek to come to find the Lord, whatever it is, whether it's a, a sickness, whether it's financial, whether it's a job, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, you're saying, yeah, Lord, I want more. I believe this. I'm believing everything Pastor Jason said this morning, but what about this? God knows what that is. That is, and he says, I got it. I got it. Do you know that you can still have the more from God and there still be something here that he hasn't quite taken care of yet? You don't have to wait to receive that more. You don't have to wait to see the resolve there. You don't have to wait to see the answer. You can still walk out in faith. You can still walk out and receive the more he has for you. He knows that. He is very aware of it. He knows your reality. And he still wants to pour the abundance from him onto you. You don't have to wait to figure out what that's going to look like. You don't have to wait to see the whole picture. You don't have to wait for him to paint that for you. You don't have to wait for all those answers. He wants to still give you more. Both things can't be true. So receive that from him. He's very aware of that. Whatever the, this thing, whatever that is. You can still receive more while he's still working it out, while he's still filling in the gaps, while he's still painting the picture for you, while he's still working on that person's heart, while he's still working out that financial thing, while he's still working out that sickness, while he's still working out the fill in the blank. Both things can be true. Amen. So let's receive that. So we're going to pray that. Friends say, come up next Sunday. There's going to be a lot of people here because of all of you because you're inviting somebody. And there's gonna be a lot of people here that have something they are hung up on. And it's gonna be hard for them to see, God, how can I receive you when this is in my life? Because of your prayer right now, because of you coming to the altar right now, because there's still something in your life that you came forward, you're gonna be able to speak into that. You're gonna be able to say, you know what, let me tell you, I don't have it all figured out. There's still a lot of answers I'm waiting for the Lord on. There's still a lot of gaps I'm waiting for God to fill in in my life, in my children's life, in my parents' life, in my brother's life, in my sister's life. There's still a lot of gaps I'm waiting for the Lord to fill in. But he's still saying yes to me, and I'm still saying yes to you. And let me share with you how we can do that together. So, Father God, that's what we pray this morning. We pray for next Sunday as our friends come, as our family comes. There's going to be things that they are hung up on, and we pray into that.
that right now, Father, as you are working on our hearts, as you are showing us how we can still receive the Lord while you are still working things out in the background, God, that we will be able to speak to them and encourage them and walk with them into the yes, into the more that you have for them. That they don't have to wait for it to be all figured out. That they don't have to wait for the answers. That they don't have to wait for you to fill in the gaps. Because God, your more and your yes and the abundance that you love us from is enough. And we can trust that and we can have faith in that. We can walk that out as you are still doing things in the wings for us. We pray for our friends. We pray for our families as they prepare for next Sunday. God, we pray that they would say yes to you. We pray that this whole week, there would be something that they just can't get off of their mind, like an annoying little gnat in their ear, that something would click, that next Sunday, it would be known 